The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and ten, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome back, Chiefs' kingdom. I hope you enjoyed the bye week. This is the Out of Structure podcast with Matt Stagner and Ron Cobb Jr. on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us as we discuss looking back at the the bye week, all the things that happened positive for the Chiefs in the last uh, few days with them not having to do a whole lot. Uh, And then also uh, maybe we'll review some of the things from the first half of the season as we look forward uh, to a big matchup next week. But uh, before we get into all that, Ron, how are you doing today? I mean, Stags, it's a victory Tuesday. I think that you could say the Chiefs won the bye week. I mean, there, there, there's a very uh, reasonable argument to make that the Chiefs didn't get a win in the in, in the actual column, but but pretty much won uh, as they sat at home this weekend. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, the, the what a Sunday for the Chiefs. And a Monday, too, with we just watched the, uh, the Bills somehow blow that game uh, last second to the Broncos at home, falling to five and five. I mean... I don't know, Stag. I think I think we're we're sitting here on a victory Tuesday. Yeah, not losing sometimes is a victory, and and we'll 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 take that. Uh, having not played and not lost, and uh, watching the Bills find a new way to lose in the last seconds of a game, and those, you know, that wasn't thirteen seconds, but it was still impressive. <laughs> uh, they go from thirteen seconds to twelve men. I wonder what's next. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing, uh, you know. I think ever since that 13 seconds, they have been a broken team in those last second situations. And so I think the chiefs really uh, did a number on, on, on Buffalo, um, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, uh, killing that momentum. They had that one season, um, but the bills weren't the only team that blew it though. Stags. I mean, we, we saw the Ravens blow at 31, 17 lead at home to Cleveland and, and lost that game. We saw the Bengals, uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, he, he's someone that, that likes to talk, you know, he dropped, the touchdown pass that could have put them above, uh, you know, ahead in Houston uh, or against Houston, ended up uh, giving Houston a ch- chance to win it on a last-second field goal. Bengals aren't even in the playoff picture as of right now. Um, we saw the Jaguars lose to the 49ers at home, 34 to three. Just got curb stomped. I mean, 
and the Chargers lost. I mean, it was it was it was all up for for the Chiefs this weekend. I don't know. Was there uh, you know any uh, any any most surprising loss to you out of all, out of all the ones uh, that 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 we just talked about? You know, I mean, I, I think the the Ravens losing to the Browns is is sort of a big deal. Um, that's a really yeah. interesting division with the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns. And with the Bengals in last place in that division, but still with a winning record, I mean, I know you said they're on the outside looking in at the moment. Obviously, you're not going to have four playoff teams from that division. Somebody's going to fall off, but it's an interesting, you know, group of, of teams that are just beating up on each other in some ways. So, so that one was surprising um, for sure, given that the Ravens are the other top team in the AFC right now. Yeah, so the Ravens are the, the two seed at seven and three because the Chiefs are alone. They're sitting atop the AFC at seven and two right now. Uh, only one conference loss, right? They've only lost to Denver. Um, they, the other loss was to Detroit, the an, an NFC team. Ravens are at seven and three, the two seed right now. The Jaguars are the six and three, three seed, and the Dolphins are the four seed at six and three. But the Browns, who did again just beat the Ravens on Sunday, are six and three at the six seed. And the Steelers are six and three at the five seed right now. Would love for them to creep into the playoffs again. I feel like that's uh, we've seen them a few times, uh, you know, in, in situations where where we we we, we kind of liked that a few years ago. Big Ben, I think it could be a similar game as that. So, although I do think if you know they're about to fall off probably uh, with teams, but how about the Texans at five and four, the seven seed? Um, it's just it, it is amazing how crowded the AFC playoff picture is. And the Chiefs are, are are one game ahead of everybody, and they still have a chance against the Bills coming up, against the Bengals coming up to have that head-to-head. But they've beaten the Jaguars. They've beaten the Dolphins. I mean, that's a big deal. And, yeah. you know, this upcoming game against the Eagles, you know, it's a big game. Uh, you know, it's very important that they win it, obviously, right? But, you know, it is an NFC opponent, so I don't know. They're, they're sitting in a pretty good spot uh, right now. I mean, you'd definitely rather be a Chiefs fan than a Bills fan this week. Uh, Ron's taking way too much pleasure in the Bills blowing that that game. For those of you who are watching this online, you can you can see the joy in Ron's face at the the Bills faltering there. It, it is a it, it was a fun weekend, as much fun as you can have with not watching the Chiefs play because every yes. every single other thing went their way, uh, including you know Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and Argentina. I mean. She's changing lyrics for our guy now. I mean, that is a uh, – for anybody who was questioning whether or not that was a real thing, I feel like it's uh, it's going to another level now. Yeah, that was that, that was a, that was a nice little video. And, and yeah, I, I imagine there's still people that are like, oh, that was staged. Uh, you know, how is there a camera right there to pick to capture it perfectly? And there's multiple angles. Yeah, no, it's, it is amazing, Sags, how uh, people will still probably do that. But, uh, but shout out, Travis. Shout out you know, uh, th- their relationship, but, you know, now, as, we need as, to talk about that. Is, is there, is there, is this going to be a problem for the chiefs by the way? Yeah, no, I have to ask you because, you know, our, our friends at good morning football this, this morning had to ask the question to former chiefs GM. So I have to ask you stags, should the chiefs front office be concerned over Travis Kelsey's mid season extracurricular activities? That's how they're putting it. Stags. <laughs> you know, it's funny that they asked this question to Scott Pioli. He, of uh, <laughs> Candy rapper fame, you know this is a this is somebody who who tried to rule with this iron fist and and you know obviously it didn't work out so well. Um, you know Andy Reid is was asked about it and he said I'm just happy that he found somebody he likes and she found somebody that she likes. That's a perfect Andy Reid answer to that question. 
he lets them be themselves, lets them enjoy them, themselves in, the, in their uh, in their free time. And it was the bye week. I mean, come on, what else? Uh, what else should he be doing during the bye week? Well, and I mean, I, I for for those time zone nerds out there that maybe worry about that, Argentina South. So I don't think you you, <laughs> you change time zones off uh, very much. You know, hey, it's only a few hours off, maybe. So uh, so shout out Travis being smart. You know, not messing up the sleep schedule, going to see his girl. Uh, but but come on, Sags, come on. We 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 are coming off uh, the bye week, and we talked about all the AFC con- contenders losing. <clears throat> I mean, let's talk about it. We talked kind of last week about the the rest of the season. You know, ha- kind of how many wins or losses they could have. But how comfortable are you sitting right now that the Chiefs could get the one seed yet again, and that it's the Arrowhead Invitational what, what, uh, yet again. And, and uh, Bros Kingdom, at Bros Kingdom on Twitter, also asked after the bye, what's your take on Casey's chances for the one seed? Are we feeling good? Are we feeling good about it? Yeah, they're, they're sitting in a pretty good spot. Thanks to Kyle Seitz for that question and Bros Kingdom. This is a really a decent position for the Chiefs to be in. Obviously, step one is you win your division, right? That, that's, that's what you got to do first. You got to knock that thing out. Chiefs are sitting up two and a half games in the division. Yeah, uh, after the Chargers lost, they're four and five. The Raiders uh, got a win, but they're in their five and five. The Broncos got a win to four and five. So the rest of the division is pretty clumped up behind them. But the Chiefs sitting up two and a half games with with half a season left to go. You got to feel pretty solid about that. Um, and then you know you look at the the regular season schedule for some of the other contenders. And I know you pointed out that Buffalo has got a pretty rough pass yeah. to get back to the playoffs at this point. So some of the those teams that you were worried about, or that a lot of people would have been worried about, are, are maybe uh, going to have a tougher slate uh, than the Chiefs are going to have going forward. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great point. Uh, you know, Buffalo is looking at uh, you know already five losses, right? So they're already a, a two or three games back of the top of the AFC. They still have to play at Philly in Kansas City, against Dallas, at home, at the Chargers, and at the Dolphins. That's a pretty rough slate for a team that pretty much needs to, you know, go undefeated or only have one loss in that stretch. But you're also looking at a team like the Bengals, who have four losses already, looking up at the Ravens, the Browns, the Steelers in the division. They still and – and that this Thursday night game this week is huge, at Baltimore, Cincinnati at Baltimore, going to be a huge game, but – they also play the Jaguars. They also play at Pittsburgh. They also play in Kansas City. They also play against the Browns again. You're talking about that AFC North is going to beat each other up. And so Absolutely. I really think that's that's the key point here is that is that the AFC North is just going to boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and then the Chiefs are going to be just sitting there, sitting pretty. And even Baltimore, the number one contender that the Chiefs are going to have to face, you mentioned Baltimore versus the, uh, Ra- the, sorry, the Ravens-Bengals coming up this Thursday night. Ravens then have the Chargers, the Rams, the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. Yeah. Like, there's literally, other than the Chargers, you could argue that everybody else the, the Ravens have to play are, are playoff contenders. Yeah. No, the Niners in there is a, is a big thing. You know, they're obviously starting to feel it again once they've gotten Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back. Miami's just going to still be, you know, there playing well. You know, they even have a pretty tough end of their schedule. Obviously, that game against the Ravens, they still have to play Dallas. You know, and then the Bills at some point. Um, so this AFC, man, you know, the Chiefs, you know, and when you look at their schedule, I mean, they have games against 
the lowly Green Bay Packers, you know, on the road is one of their road games. They have a game against the Patriots who look like they're about to implode, you know, uh, you know, they, they, and they, they have, they still have two games against the Raiders left. I mean, when you take all that into account and the fact that they have that margin for error loss wise against the bills and the Bengals who they have, they still have to play, you know, Hey, if they lose one of those games to those teams, it's not like it's going to be, uh, it, it, it's projected to, it's not like it's going to look like they're passing them in the standings, right? The chiefs have two less losses than e- each of those teams. So mm-hmm. if those are your hardest teams, and you have that margin of error to work with in those games, it's it's a really nice path the second half of the season. Not bad. And, and so really going back to last week, uh, we had a question about the, the crystal ball and and whether or not you know we could pick the rest of the schedule. I think I had us down. I had the Chiefs down for, what, three more losses, and you had two more. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those losses I predicted was to Buffalo, and I'm starting to wonder about that game. Uh, really maybe swinging back Kansas City's way now. Yeah. Uh, I think the the best chance the Chiefs have to lose the rest of the season is this coming week, and so we got to talk about that Eagles game as the, the this podcast goes along. But there's a real good chance, um, I, I think, that the Chiefs probably can get through the rest of the season with maybe two more losses, uh, and, and that would all, all but guarantee that they win the division and probably the number one seed if they can get by with just two more losses. No, you're the, the thing is I mentioned earlier how this game is an NFC game. You know, it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt in their standings if they lose, you know, tiebreaker wise. But if you do get this win and you do come out of, you know, your probably hardest opponent of the year and you only have two losses with the stretch we just talked about, then you're really working with house money. But if you do lose this game, then you have the same record as the Ravens who you, who you can't get a tiebreaker over besides conference record because there's no head-to-head this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the same record as the Jaguars and Dolphins and Steelers and Browns, even though, you know, you have uh, the tiebreaker over a few of those teams. So, yeah, it's a it's, real it is still a big game. It's absolutely a real opportunity with, the, with those teams having lost just this week. It really does open that door. Uh, I feel pretty good about their chances because I think they haven't played their best football yet. They've, They've put together a couple of solid all-around performances against pretty much some bad teams, but we haven't seen the offense play its best. Everybody's aware of that. Everybody's talked about it. Uh, Everybody is pretty clear that it's fixable and there are things that they can do better. Um, So it's got to make you feel pretty good as a Chiefs fan going into the second half of the season. Hopefully they take this bye week and reset come back out uh, looking strong on offense and, and maybe they're able to to really ease in to playoff mode into that that stretch run and, and start to uh, maybe there's some stuff they've been saving some players that they've been saving uh, that we've alluded to uh, we can talk about that uh, as we go along but uh, for now if you're cool with it, let's jump right into the Arrowhead Pride bi-week awards Yes, uh, there was a great series on arrowheadpride.com for any of you who haven't had a chance to read all those articles. Uh, make sure you do that. We'll try not to spoil all of it uh, with our conversation here. But the team got together, the Arrowhead Pride team got together and voted on a bunch of different categories of awards at the midseason, at the bye week. Uh, and we're going to run down through some of those and just uh, kind of give you uh, some highlights or some takes um, on on some of these categories. Uh, Ron, I'll, I'll let you get us started. Special teams player of the year so far for the airheadpride.com bi-week awards. 
this was a pretty easy one. Well, yeah, give us credit for uh, giving Harrison Bucker some love, I feel like, recently in, on a show because he he's going to get the All-Pro if he continues this um, because Justin Tucker actually heard this stat. He's one for five on 50-yard field goals this year, 50-plus uh, yard field goals this year, Justin Tucker. Um, and he's usually the one kind of, you know, winning the award and Bucker's yeah. been nails. Um, you know, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, he still hasn't missed a field goal yet. Uh, and I'm going to knock on wood as I say it, but uh, no, absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. shout out Harrison Bucker uh, for a great season so far. Um, but, you know, I think he is the most obvious of the awards, although offensive rookie of the year is probably the most obvious um, because Rasheed Rice is debatably the offensive player of the year, even though he did not win it. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but he was the offensive rookie of the year stags. Um, but mm -hmm. defensive rookie of the year was interesting, wasn't it? Who did I, I who did you vote for out of the two rookies that had the? <laughs> The chance because so I'm I'm setting you up. Yeah, I, I was uh, uh, I was being a little salty on this one. So offensive rookie <laughs> of the year, obviously, Rasheed Rice is the guy. Um, he's their number one right wide receiver. Inexplicably, at this point of the season, uh, nobody would have predicted that that he was probably the number one guy. And in fact, after the break, we're going to go back and look at our preseason predictions and see how many of these we may have actually uh, uh, predicted prior to the season, but Rasheed Rice obviously has been the man there for the offensive rookies. On the defensive side of the ball, there was a couple candidates, Shamari Connor, Felix uh, Inubike, Uzama. Uh, I voted uh, N.A. because I don't, oh. I haven't seen much from, from any defensive rookies so far this season. There hasn't been a huge impact. Last year's rookie class is carrying this defense in, in so many different ways. Uh, so we've yet to really see Felix deployed. Uh, his snap count has has diminished, especially with Charles Omenihu returning. Uh, he may not get much opportunity this season. Uh, Chamari Connor was the winner, uh, but you know there's really not a lot of options here for defensive rookie of the year so far. Yeah, no, there weren't. And you're right. It is a good point that it's because of how well last year's class was playing. There's just not room for some of these guys uh, to contribute. I mean, they had to let go of their sixth round pick, who I'm still a little salty. Keandre Coburn didn't get a chance, a longer chance with the Chiefs, because yeah. uh, a lot of people would have, you know, would have predicted he may be a, you know, one of the top contributors right away. But no, give Chamari Connor some love. You know, this, especially this last game against the Dolphins, they were using him a lot on first and second down as that slot uh, player to keep McDuffie and Snead on the outside. And what that did was it was allow him to be a, a nice run defender. He made some a few plays. So I think honestly, this last week is is really what allowed him to kind of deserve it a little more uh, than than he did before. Because you're right. I mean, there's just not a lot of go, going on with either of these guys so far. But most improved player. Yeah, I was gonna say most improved player had a lot of candidates. Yeah, I mean, we, we all, all defensive. No, no surprise. What's that? All defensive. No surprise. That's true. Uh, nominees included Mike Dana, who's been just playing lights out for, for Mike Dana. He's probably going to get double digit sacks this year, which is a, a kind of a big statement for, for a guy in his position. Uh, Leo Chanel has been tremendous. Um, and, and I think he's really exceeding expectations or at least meeting what we hoped that we thought he could be Justin Reed, Willie Gay Jr. I mean, there's lots of candidates for most improved player, but I got to go with, and I think everybody agreed, or a lot of people agreed. My guy, George Karloftis, has been has really been phenomenal this year. And I say my guy facetiously just because 
Uh, I was skeptical on his ceiling in the draft. I felt like he had a, a high floor, but I didn't know how high his ceiling would be. He's already exceeded uh, the expectations that I had for him at this point. I, I think he's such a nice complement to the rest of the Chiefs pass rush at this point. He's going to have a really, really good season because he's playing better and uh, because he fits so well with the guys around him. And uh, even if he'll have a couple wins, you know, like he had a couple weeks ago, but he can also be that garbage man for the cleaning up when, when Chris Jones and Charles O'Manahue and others uh, uh, force uh, quarterbacks into his arms. So uh, he's the most improved player. He's been phenomenal. Uh, but again, you could have picked any one of those defenders and, and had made a really good case for it. Yeah, no, I I'm surprised he won this honestly. Um, but it is, it's one of those things that I think, you know, I, it was just, I think he just barely edged Mike Dana out and Leah Chanel got a few. Who, who did you vote for? I'm curious because I actually voted for Justin Reed. Um, cause I wanted to give him credit for, I feel like his play from last year to this year mm-hmm. has been like the most in terms of like impactful, uh, just like improvement wise. I feel like last year he just was so, you know, that he, he gave up plays and just didn't play aggressively, didn't play with an aggressive mindset. And that's so important at the spag safety position this year. You're seeing it, man. He's flying all over the field. He's playing like a, a big Tyron Matthew at that strong safety position. Um, so I wanted to give Justin Reed his flowers, but did you vote for Carl Loftus? No, I am actually going back and looking right now. <clears throat> My vote for most improved was for Leo Chanel. And now, that's, a, and that's a good one. I, I actually really thought about uh, Brian cook here as well. Because uh, I think he's made some strides and and really has been an impact playmaker, but uh, but yeah, uh, I voted for Leo uh, just because of the multiple ways that they're using him and and how he's just he's one of those guys who could have easily been the odd man out on on this linebacker room that's pretty solid around him, but he's he's forced his way into to making a, a role for himself. All right, well the podium getting down to the defensive offensive player of the year and MVP defensive player of the year. I thought was interesting, um, but it is actually pretty, pretty obvious when it comes down to it. You know, Trent McDuffie won it. Uh, you know, he got the majority of the votes, although Chris Jones, Drew Tranquil and Carl Loftus, Carl Loftus did get a vote. Um, and, 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 and Tranquil, uh, I think got a few votes cause, and I do think he deserves, uh, you know, some, some consideration here just because, you know, he stepped in for Bolton so well, and, you know, that could have been a disaster kind of thing, you know, missing your Mike linebacker this much, as much as they have been this year for him to be as, as good as he has been in replacement has been great. And, and, you know, in addition to what he does when Bolton is healthy, but Trent McDuffie, man, I mean, he's just been a freaking monster in terms of forcing fumbles, the coverage. Uh, yeah, I, I, Trent McDuffie was a no doubter. I feel like for defensive player of the year. Yeah. I love how Trent McDuffie plays physical, how he comes uh, flying in to, to defend those screen passes and things like that, that really the physicality and the, the way he hits and the way he tackles has been just a, a revelation in addition to his, his being great in coverage. He should be an all pro this year. Uh, I think he's uh, uh, I think he's on that level at this point. Chris Jones, had he played the full season, you know, maybe without missing that game, maybe he could yeah. have had a little bit stronger case. But he kind of disappeared over the last week. So, I, you know, I think there was a, uh, you know, a little bit of recency bias there. But uh, let's get to the offensive side of the ball, what everybody wants to talk about, because this offense has been electric. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe battery powered and, and, as opposed to uh, plug in when it comes to electricity. Uh, 
we got votes for Isaiah Pacheco, obviously Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey came out the winner of the Offensive Player of the Year uh, for the Chiefs, uh, according to the Arrowhead Pride staff. Um, is that who you voted for? I went with Isaiah Pacheco because, spoiler alert, I did vote for Travis Kelsey as the MVP. He did not win MVP, mm. just to, uh, but I did vote for Travis Kelsey as a team MVP. I feel like, you know, just him, and he won Offensive Player of the Year um, um, here just because I think he is the obvious choice for Offensive Player of the Week. But Isaiah Pacheco, at the same time, I feel like, you know, he's had his ups and downs as a player even this year, but his improvement from last year, he's had games where he's really been you know, the vocal point of the offense, the focal point, excuse me, and beat the Jets with a big game, um, you know, had big runs against, you know, teams like, uh, you know, uh, earlier in the season, you know, the Bears and 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 the Jacksonville Jaguars second half of that game, you know, when the offense was sputtering, um, they need to use him more. Um, and so I, I think, you know, tr- you know, someone else, you know, a guy like Travis Kelsey deserves this over him, but I voted him just because, he, you know, Kelsey is my MVP, so he deserves second. I think. I, I, I think he deserves it over Mahomes. If I'm being completely honest with you, what do you think? Take there. I, I actually voted for Pacheco as well because oh, nice. He, nice. he is the the spark plug. We may have been the only two that voted for for, for Pacheco in, for this particular award, but I just feel like he's such the spark plug for this offense, and he's somebody that they can really build around. Uh, now that I look at it, we're not the only two that voted for him. I think he got four. He got Good. four votes uh, amongst the staff here, but still, he's the guy that that really makes this thing go. And if they're honest about their self scouting, if they really did their homework in this bye week, like we expect that they have, the coaching staff should take a look at it and say, when does this offense work its best? It's best when it's balanced. It's balanced when they use Pacheco, and it's also he also happens to be that energy giver, that guy who just brings that that different level of excitement and spark and physicality to this offense. He's a difference maker, and and I've been preaching it for weeks. They've got to build the second-half offense around Pacheco and Rasheed Rice. They do that along with Kelsey and Mahomes, of course. If they do that, um, this offense has an identity. They're physical. They're young. They've got some energy. Uh, Those are players you can build around. So, yeah, that's why I voted for Pacheco. Kelsey is obviously deserving. The guy is incredible. Uh, the first, you know, handful of games this season was completely unstoppable. Teams have been really focusing on him, and that should open things up for other players. So uh, his importance to this offense can't be overstated. Uh, you can't take that guy for granted. If he's not in that lineup, it is not the same team. So uh, I, I get it. I think there's a reason he is uh, he, he gets this award. Uh, Pacheco just might be a less obvious choice. Yeah. And I think, you know, Pacheco, there's been some arguments that, you know, maybe the offensive line hasn't helped him at times this year. Um, either. I've been saying that uh, they have, you know, there's some, but he has, you know, he he's had his ups and downs, but his play, his in play as a receiver this year, he's had some great pass pro reps. Um, yeah. So I think all that plays into it, but team MVP stacks. I thought this was very accurate and I wasn't, you know, I didn't vote for this. Um, I didn't, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to hop on the bandwagon, but it was a very good idea. I think Pete kind of got, got it going. Shout out Pete Sweeney, the boss man, but team MVP defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnolo. And I, I love it. I, I think it's hundred percent true. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, the Chiefs, you know, given bye weeks, so there, there's not a 100% apples to apples comparison, but they're currently tied with the 49ers for least points allowed this season by a defense. They're keeping the Chiefs in every single game. Uh, they're winning some games outright. I, I would argue that this last game, you know, that Trent McDuffie, uh, you know, play uh, against Miami uh, was the play of the season. And, and that touchdown was the difference in that game. And then they were able to hold them uh, to a shutout after that. So, yeah, I, I think that there's 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 a big case to be made that this defense is not only competent, but they're they're keeping this team competitive. Uh, so Spagnuolo is a great choice. Uh, I went with Patrick Mahomes because he is literally the MVP. And I think even though he hasn't been at his best, there's no player more important to this team still than Patrick Mahomes. This team will still go as far as Mahomes carries them. Uh, so MVP, most valuable player. There's nobody more valuable in the NFL than Patrick Mahomes. So I uh, until proven otherwise, he's going to have my vote there. But uh, Spagnuolo is a nice choice just because, again, overall, this team has been so impressive on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and it's just the way he's he's kind of he's he he is going. You know, he's changing his game plan depending on what's going on to use certain players, put them in the best positions. You know, Leo Chanel gets more snaps depending on the game. You know, Shamar Connor gets more snaps. Like he he's. He's kind of, you know, working with a with a, a full hand of, uh, you know, a nice hand of cards, I should say. And he is playing it right. Um, and it's it's cool to see. I do think he deserves that team MVP. I, I voted for Travis Kelsey. I just feel like, you know, it, it, it the pass offense, you know, I think it's clear that Mahomes is really, you know, only comfortable throwing to either Kelsey or, or I guess the rookie receiver, uh, you know, obviously Rasheed Rice. But uh, but yeah, I, I just feel like. Kelsey's impact on the pass offense and, 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 you know, obviously Mahomes is, you know, needs to, you know, overcome that. But I, I think a lot of, a lot of that is just how good Kelsey is, how good he is at getting himself open, giving him, you know, that window to be, uh, you know, to get it to him quickly and everything. So shout out Travis Kelsey. Um, but there's offenses just, you know, they, 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 they got to get it going in the second half and I'm sure Mahomes will end up you know, deserving of the MVP and and uh, the offensive player of the year by the end of the year, I'm sure. You bet. Well, because it's bye week time and we're just everybody's taking a look back and a look forward. Uh, I did write the the article that I typically do for the site, which is uh, market movers, where we talk about what Chiefs are trending in which direction. What I try to do this time, normally I'm looking at this coming week to say who's who's trending heading into this game, and I'll still probably write that one before. Uh, this matchup against the Eagles and just talk about some matchup specific stuff. But I looked back at the first half of the season and looked at who were some of the biggest risers, some of the biggest fallers in the rankings amongst the Chiefs players. We've talked a lot about some of the guys who are on the risers list. I want to highlight Charles Aminihue as the, the, he's really the, the third one I listed here, but it's been a really impactful guy that started off not even on the, the roster, right? He, he, this is his first year with the Chiefs. And he had to set out that six-game suspension. This is somebody who came in late but is really making a difference. And I think if you see this defense excel, a lot of it is the complementary play of these pass rushers. And Aminihue, I think, is a big part of that. So he's been one of the biggest risers for me so far this season. Uh, thoughts on Charles Aminihue? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, he's only played three games, but you saw the pass rush impact more, 
you know, mostly in that Chargers game. But then if you watch that Dolphins game, he also played a very important role in the early down stuff, playing that edge edge uh, defender role. There was one run where he just forced the running back to take a really wide angle to the sideline because he just shoved the offensive tackle back so far and kind of forced a, a tackle at the line of scrimmage. So shout out to Manny Hugh. He's definitely uh, someone that deserves to be a bowl. Well, unfortunately, there was also some guys who moved down the rankings due to expectations. And all three of these are, are people who I had high hopes on or when the season started. Uh, two that I thought would be kind of up and comers. So uh, we talked about Felix Anaduke Uzama. I think his just the fact that his role has narrowed uh, and decreased so much, it feels like he might be honestly getting get the redshirt treatment a little bit this season. Uh, he may not have a big impact until next year. Um, not that he hasn't been good enough. I, I think he's he's shown little flashes that he's going to be good, but uh, he's certainly not been an impact player on the field like maybe we had hoped prior to the season starting. Yeah, no, Felix is one of those guys that's kind of in a position to like, he's, you know, it's all gravy if he does contribute. He doesn't need to necessarily be, you know, the the impact producer, producing guy, especially now that uh, Charles Menu is back in the mix. You know, before, uh, you know, he was consistently that fourth rusher. Now he's he's more kind of a sub rusher, you know, kind of the fifth guy in line, you know, on a third down. So, uh, yeah, I, it's it's OK. You know, it, he, he kind of needed a few years to develop, in my opinion, anyway. So I'm glad I'm I'm, I'm excited to see his future still with the team. Well, somebody who the, the future may not be the brightest, uh, somebody who's had a great run. Uh, Joe Tooney has been one of the league's best, and, and it's been true for a long time. He's just been an absolute machine, technique-wise, consistency, you know, leverage, uh, you know, intelligence as far as picking up uh, protections and picking up blitzes and picking up uh, stunts. But this offensive line as a whole has started to – to show some 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 cracks, maybe. I mean, they're they're still a good unit. They're still not giving up a lot of sacks. Obviously, some of that's due to Patrick Mahomes. But I'm a little bit concerned about the trend for Joe Tooney, uh, and and not just him. There's there's other points along the line that have not played their best. But Tooney has been so reliable in the past. I, I'm a little worried he's maybe taken a little setback. Yeah, I, I think I think you can see it. Uh, especially in the run game, like you kind of mentioned, um, you know, I just think at some point it kind of makes sense that, you know, as, as, you know, most offensive linemen, you know, they do, they can kind of, you know, get better with age depending on who they are. But it's a lot of times those guys are the big dudes, the dudes that are just overwhelmingly huge and like kind of, you know, just get even stronger, you know, with, with man strength, 30, 35 year old strength that you naturally get, you know, just as someone that has more experience as, as, you know, the guys are going against. But when you're Joe Tooney and you're, you know, 280, I think he's not 300 pounds. I don't, uh, I don't believe so. Um, he's a he's a smaller dude, and he always has been. He's always one with, you know, awesome leverage, awesome balance, awesome, you know, technique like you like you mentioned. But you know, when it starts to go strength wise, when it starts, you know, when you're not as strong or as you know your core is not as strong, or you know, you're just, you know, in or the bank, you know, the injuries kind of pile up a little more, like a little ding ups. You know, I'm not saying he is injured. I'm just, you know, in terms of every offensive lineman goes through a little uh, bang ups. So it's interesting, man. But at the same time, you know, he, they, they have a chance to use the bye week to get right and uh, come out fire in the second half of the year. The yeah, let's hope that's the case. Uh, speaking of coming out fire in the second half, I 
I've been predicting or, or speculating, and I think it's not just me. We've all been talking about how Kadarius Tony has really just been, you know, not a big part of the offense ever since he sort of struggled in the first week after coming off the injury. It seems like he's not getting a ton of snaps. He's not getting a bunch of design looks. He get one or two targets a game. Hasn't done much with them. Had one nice play this last week, but in general, it's been a rough season for Kadarius Tony. And so I guess maybe optimistically, I've been saying maybe they're saving him for the second half. Maybe they're just keeping him under wraps, keeping him healthy, keeping him on the field, but but not really making him the focal point until the playoff run. Andy Reid came out this week and basically confirmed that thought. Uh, John Dixon said something similar. Uh, watch for him coming down the stretch. So he's my sleeper pick, the value pick for the, the second half of the season on market movers. He might be somebody who looks like a huge disappointment in the first half, but by the end of the season, we're talking about him in that you know playmaker conversation again. Yeah, no, what Andy Root specifically said was, hey, this dude had knee surgery in training camp. Like, let's remember that. Like, you know, there's no such thing as a minor surgery. Um, you know, I know it's a saying, um, you know, anytime you go under the, the, you know, under the knife like that, you know, there, there's you got to be cautious with it coming back. So I, if you know, I, I hope he's being true. I know we can't just take coaches at their at their word all the time. We can't be that naive. But, you know. Come on. I, I think it makes a ton of sense because you still see him be the most electric guy after the catch a lot of times, you know, spe- especially more than Sky Moore. And you're seeing Sky Moore's snaps go down. Uh, we saw it this last game against the Dolphins. He really his snap rate significantly decreased. So I think I think there is room for Tony to, to step back into a, a more primary role as the games get more important. Well, let's go to break and, and hear from our sponsors. Ron, if you've got a what NFL player am I queued up? I got trivia. I'm going to give you some trivia, some some Chiefs-Eagles right. trivia. All swag. right. Go ahead. Oh. So we got Chiefs-Eagles in Arrowhead, right? Because, uh, you know, uh, we it's the first time it's been a little bit since the last time these two met up in Kansas City. Simple question, Stags. Who was the quarterback the last time the Eagles came to Kansas City? That's all I want to know. That's all I need to know. We'll get to that after the break. Stick with us on the Outer Structure Podcast. <laughs> It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on the Out of Structure Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. We've got lots of your questions yet to come, uh, along with uh, a look ahead, uh, or a look back, first of all, at some of the predictions we made preseason, and then a look ahead uh, to a huge matchup coming this week against the Eagles. But in the meantime, Ron's trying to stump me with some trivia. 
He asked who the quarterback was for the Eagles the last time they came to Kansas City uh, to play against the Chiefs. I don't have a clue. I'm going to guess Carson Wentz and, and see what see what the actual answer was. Bingo. Yeah, that was pretty easy. <laughs> I, yeah, I 20, no, 2017, week two, uh, Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl that year. This is Alex Smith's last year. Mm. Famous that that game was famous for a Travis Kelsey hurdle into the end zone, just jumping over like three dudes. Um, and then Kareem Hunt had like a 40 yard touchdown run in his second game of his career that kind of helped cap it. So, little, uh, little Chiefs history there, little Chiefs Eagles history. Whew. Yeah, I almost forgot about that game. All right, uh, preseason prediction check in. Let's let's look back at some predictions that were made on this very podcast before the season started. Some of these are betting lines, so I'm going to let you um, kick off with some of the stats, uh, the over-under betting lines on a handful of Chiefs players here. And we'll see which one of us got more of these things right. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Patrick Mahomes, we were all pretty uh, – we all were uh, excited that he would have a, a pretty big season, obviously. His over-under was 36.5 passing touchdowns and 4,800 passing yards. He's on pace for under on both of those, and we obviously both chose over. Um, but there's a chance, you know, he, he steps it back up. He's on pace for 32 touchdowns, so he needs to just kind of increase that by five. And he's on yeah. pace for 4,600 passing yards. So he could still get those overs if he cranks up the game. But the interceptions was interesting, stacks because I had him under 11 and a half interceptions. I figured that's a, uh, that's a lot. But he does have eight right now. And he's on pace for 15. You had the over. So I don't know. You, you, you might be looking good there. What do you think? Do you think he's going to have four more interceptions? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, I think I had him for 13 or something was my prediction. Uh, I think that still feels about right. He's had some, he's had some bad ones this year. Really has just kind of uh, situationally uh, frustrating. But, yeah, you know, I, it's, it's part of the game. I think, I think he'll have a cleaner second half than he did the first half. He's not going to have another eight, I don't think, but uh, I think he'll probably hit that 11 and a half pretty easily. Yeah. No, I, his his career high is 13 uh, interceptions. So, you know, he's on pace for 15. So it's, it is it is definitely a, a un, uh, unprecedented, you know, kind of interception uh, kind of season for Mahomes so far. Yeah. We both, we both predicted Isaiah Pacheco to be the uh, snap leader in the running back room. Pretty obvious there. He, he is uh, by far. The receiver room, though, Stag. This is where it got a uh, got a little little off here. We we both predicted Sky Moore to lead the team in rece- receptions. Yeah, he right had now. he had such a big opportunity this year. I mean, it, it, it seemed so obvious that he was going to step in and take his role plus Juju Smith-Schuster's role and and lead this room, be the reliable go-to guy. Man, it's frustrating that that hasn't played out so far for him. What a nice surprise on the guy who actually does leave the room. Yeah, Rasheed Rice has twice as many receptions as Sky Moore does right now. 32 to 16, which is kind of sad, but that's okay. Um, and we, I predicted MVS to have the most receiving yards in the room. You predicted Sky. And again, that's Rasheed Rice. <laughs> and then and then you predicted Sky to have the most touchdowns. Or no, excuse me, I did. And you predicted Kadarius Tony to have the most touchdowns. I mistyped that. I I, uh, right. I think you, I think it was you that had Tony. Yeah, and Rasheed right. Rice, Rasheed Rice leads the receiver room in touchdowns as well. So uh, I don't think anyone would have guessed the rookie to be a clean sweep in the wide receiver room. So we can give ourselves a pass on that, right, Stags? Yeah, I mean, 
the the bad news is we were wrong about Sky Moore. The good news is the Chiefs seem to have a number one wide receiver right now. Everybody's been wanting that for a while. So uh, we didn't think it was going to be Rasheed Rice this early in his career. But, hey, you got that rookie contract. You got a long time of team control there. Uh, if he continues to be the number one wide receiver and the second receiving threat, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and I will say, you know, that our logic in terms of Sky kind of maybe being the Juju Smith-Schuster in this group you know, that was the logic there, I think, at least on my end. Um, and I think on your end for the receptions as well, because Juju yeah. was that wide receiver one in receptions. Well, Rashi is the Juju in the in the group. So I think the logic, let's give ourselves <laughs> some credit there. No, that's that's, that's my way of, that's a spin wrong. zone. That's a, that's a pretty good spin zone. I like it. Well, the, we had another uh, over-under that we were trying to figure out. Yards per rushing attempt, 4.7, which was last year's mark. They were eighth in the NFL in this figure last year. I said they'd be under 4.7 this season. You said they'd be over, which is a bold take. Um, where are they at? They are under. So you get this one too, um, as well as the interceptions one earlier. So you're, you're getting me. You're edging me out right now. Um, but yeah, they're only at 4.1 yards per attempt. Uh, so that's 15th in the NFL. So still middle of the pack. You know, that's fine. You know, Chiefs don't need to be one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. But, you know, I did buy into, you know, the offensive line, maybe being a better fit for Andy Reid's zone schemes, uh, running those. And maybe that's the Chiefs, you know, just being more efficient on the ground. Um, not true. And and I'm learning very quickly that Orlando Brown Jr. and, and Andrew Wiley were much better run blocking offensive tackles than uh, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith are which that's okay. You know, they'll get through it. Uh, I think the pass offense just needs to kind of carry them more, but you know, I, I, I definitely swung and miss on the run game. I think they're missing. If there's one thing they're missing about Orlando Brown jr. It's his, him in the run game. Cause he definitely helped them uh, uh, carve out some yards. You bet. Now we didn't miss on the team leader in sacks uh, other than Chris Jones. We both picked George Karloftis, which was an obvious choice. And, and he actually, is ahead of Chris Jones so far in sacks, granted with one more game in. Uh, he's got six sacks to Chris Jones has, what, five and a half? Yeah. Um, so George Karloftis uh, uh, performing, again, above expectations. Linebacker was really interesting because we were really trying to figure out preseason at the time, where does Drew Tranquil fit in this list? How in the world are they going to get all four of these linebackers uh, action this season? Uh, we both thought Drew Tranquil would lead the team in snaps uh, for linebackers, and and that was true. Uh, we thought that Nick Bolton would continue to lead the linebacker room in tackles. Uh, of course, he's been hurt, so you can't really say that we were wrong there per se, but Tranquil, right. the guy who's been filling in for him, uh, took over that that spot. Any surprises on snaps or tackles from the linebacker room for, for you? You know, I think uh, like in tackle for losses, you know, the leader is Chanel. Leo Chanel does have the most tackle for losses of the linebacker group. I think we both would have would have loved to to have said that Chanel, you know, playing more on the edge, you know, would have would have been able to do that, would have made sense. I think we're just a little hesitant to believe that, you know, they would actually go through with using him in that way. But that's why he is a tackle for loss leader, because he is being used on the line of scrimmage as a fifth defensive lineman at times. And and he plays well doing that. Um, so. It's not a surprise, but it is something where, like, I think we were just, you know, we wanted to say, you know, give Chanel more credit for that. But I'm glad Spag is actually using him in that way. So that was cool to see. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And I'll say, you know, again, you picked uh, Nick Bolton for this one. He's been hurt, so you can't really hold that against him too much. Uh, interceptions, though, Nick yeah. Bolton is, was my pick for the interception leader. Drew Trank- Tranquil was yours. Right now, Bolton is the only linebacker that has an interception, so I've got a slight lead in Shout that out. category. Uh, and then we talked about sacks as well. Uh, again, we'd love for Chanel to be the leader here. He has three. Uh, Willie Gay has one. That was your pick for the for the leader. Uh, my pick was Drew Tranquil, and he is the sack leader for the linebackers so far at three and a half. So um, Drew Tranquil is really nearly sweeping the categories here in linebackers uh, and uh, has been just a phenomenal addition. So whether we're right or wrong, uh, maybe is less important in the fact than the fact that Drew Drinkle has been amazing and Leo Chanel has been better than expected. Yeah, no, the linebacker group's been fun to watch. The defensive backs are have been as well. And so we both predicted McDuffie to lead the team in snaps, which I think makes sense because he's he is the he is the corner that does not come off the field, but neither does Sneed. And Sneed does have just seven more snaps than than him, and so mm-hmm. does Justin Reed. <laughs> And so we both got edged out there by Justin Reed and Legarius Sneed. Trent McDuffie, I don't know why he's he missed those seven snaps. I'd have to go back and remember what the, the reasoning was. But in tackles, we both missed again. Uh, McDuffie is the tackle leader at the defensive in the defensive backfield. Um, you know he's earning that defensive player of the year for a reason uh, that we talked about earlier. I had Brian Cook, which I do uh, feel like, yeah, that probably wasn't the, the best choice. He's the free safety. He's not going to be around the ball as much as these other guys. You had Legereus Sneed, who is pretty close to the lead. He's 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 almost tied for second, um, which was a good choice. But interceptions, you had you you got it there with Sneed. Although wait, no, we both we both got it here because there's only one interception for any <laughs> of the defensive backs, and they're all tied at the top. We I had Brian Cook. You had Legereus Sneed, um, and then the tackle for losses. Snead has the most. I predicted him. You predicted uh, Brian Cook. Um, but Mike Edwards does have the second most, who has been kind of that other free safety. Um, so, you know, the safeties have been getting active in the backfield. And then the sacks as well, right? Uh, I You predicted Shamari Connor to have the most sacks, which, you know, uh, he, he's been he's been blitzed a few times. He's got some pressures. I predicted McDuffie, I think, just to switch it up. But yeah, Justin Reed, Mike Edwards, and Jalen Watson all only, all each have one sack, so no one's gotten more than one, and so they've gotten pressure with the blitzes. But I think a lot of times those pr- pressures just turn into other guys getting sacks. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it is kind of surprising that only one DB there's only one sack for any of the DBs. I was kind of surprised by that. Well, the the real lesson here is that this secondary has been amazing, and there's so many different options in every one of these yeah. categories. So the stats aren't concentrated with any one player. Uh, there's a there are different guys leading all different categories and tied for all these different categories. It's really hard to find a weak link in the secondary at this point. They, everybody's been playing well, and they've got a deep rotation, and, and it's really an, an embarrassment of riches when you have McDuffie and Sneed as your outside corners, um, and, and then the rest of those guys are rotating around. Because I think. Uh, I think you could have made a case for Joshua Williams as one of the more improved players as well. I think he's been really good. Uh, Jalen Watson, you know, always seems to make the big play. So he's definitely clutch, uh, if nothing else. Uh, And, yeah, Edwards has been great as far as helping force turnovers. It's really been fun. And and that's why, you know, Shamari Connor is, uh, you know, leading the rookies. Um, I predicted that they would use him really specifically in a pass rushing role, but either way, 
you know, he, he's somebody who has a future with this team, um, but so do a lot of other guys. So it's going to be a really interesting offseason uh, when they look at this uh, defensive backfield and try to figure out who to pay and who to keep. Yeah, no, you you could really see how Connor becomes kind of like Sneed's early career, you know, that slot defender that's, you know, really good against the run, blitzes a lot, gets sacks. And we talked about that in the offseason. So you can definitely see that. But let's let's talk about let's talk let's keep talking about the blitz, right? Because uh, we got some mailbag questions that we're going to end the show with. Um, Jake Wilson at Jake for now actually asked a good one. Um, why don't you set me up for this, Stacks? I got I got some good stats for this. <laughs> All right, Jake's our guy. He's always asking great questions. True or false? Kansas City's defense is able to generate pressure more consistently this season and is less reliant on the blitz. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what have you seen statistically as far as their reliance on the blitz and their ability to generate pressure? Uh, would you agree with Jake's statement or not? Well, uh, first of all, on the surface, what would you, what would you say on off the top of your head? True or false? That that's a true or false statement? I would say on the surface it's true uh, right. because you've got you know you you've got more pass rush coming from that defensive line. You've got more bodies there that are actually generating pressure and the Leo Chanel effect. So I, I would have say, without looking at the stats, I would assume that that was true. Yeah, I would too. And so they are getting more pressure this year. They're, they're generating pressure uh, 28% of the time this year. That's compared to 25% last year. Second in the NFL this year, fifth in the NFL last year. So both, both in the top 10 or top five, excuse me, in, in the NFL. Blitz rate though. The Chiefs, Last year, blitzed 24% of the time. That was 14th in the NFL. This year, they have blitzed nearly 34% of the time. That's 6th in the NFL. So almost a 10% increase in blitz rate uh, compared to last year. And so what I think that tells you is they are sending um, blitzes uh, obviously more often, um, but I think that tells you that they're just having more guys at the line of scrimmage uh, to start, you know, because it does feel like they don't need to use the blitz as much. Um, but it does feel like they like to use Leo Chanel, Willie Gay, Drew Tranquil. Some, uh, you know, it, it's mostly Leo Chanel, but you know, other guys too, where they put them up at the line of scrimmage, and then boom, that's a fifth guy that t- that counts as a blitz if it's a pass down. And I think that's where you're getting that bigger number from. So while I still think it's true that they don't need to rely on the blitz as much, I still think, I mean, it obviously shows that they are using the blitz more often uh, statistically. But I do think that's just because, uh, you know, that Spags using his players like a Leo Chanel, you know, kind of using his chess pieces more and more and, and being, you know, smart with with kind of how to use his, be- you know, his most talented players. Because Leo is, is a very talented player. And so is Willie. And so is Drew. And so is Bolton. And they all need to be playing, you know, even mm-hmm. when they're all healthy. Right. So, yeah, that's it. It's it kind of speaks to that, maybe. Yeah, that's a great point. It, it's not as obvious when it's the linebacker blitz and he's up on the line of scrimmage as it is when the corner or safety comes flying in. Uh, That's uh, it's maybe just a a definitional thing. Uh, Let's get to Thomas Ramirez's question on the offensive side. What needs to happen first for the chiefs to repeat? Does the offensive line need to pick up stunts better or do the wide receivers need to gain Pat's trust more and be more productive? Uh, who, who do you think needs to improve more to improve the Chiefs' chances of repeating? That's a good question, but I, I will say, you know, if the O-line can give Patrick Mahomes, you know, ample time like they have at plenty times this season, you know, I think the pass offense will be fine. 
you know, I, I, it's important, obviously, for the receivers to get, you know, uh, on the same page with Pat. But a lot of times, Pat just needs to, you know, fire away and and kind of force it, right? Kind of force them to be on the same page with him. You know, I, I think there's tighter windows than he'd like to at times to guys like MBS, to guys like Sky Moore. But at the same time, you know, as long as he's, you know, as long as he's getting the time to kind of find guys like Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, you know, and or get to his check down or get the scramble, I think they'll be fine. So I would say the O-line. I mean, I'm going to go with the wide receivers here. I think there's – it's a real problem when nobody gets open or, or Patrick doesn't trust those receivers. I really do think that's an issue. Teams have started to really take away Travis Kelsey more and more, daring the Chiefs to beat them with any other wide receiver uh, on the field. And I think that's something that, that has to happen. They've got to have receivers step up. Rasheed Rice has done so, but – you can't just have one wide receiver step up and then and still be targeting 10 receivers a game with one or two targets. It's just they, they need to narrow that room down. We've been saying it for weeks, and they need to, some of those guys need to really step up uh, and play the way they're capable of um, because you don't want to be in a situation where, the, where Kelsey is either injured or taken away by a defense and they have no other options. And you see Mahomes out there just – running for his life because he's holding the ball. So uh, I think, to me, Mahomes is good enough to make the offensive line uh, good enough when, when it comes to pass protection as long as he has somewhere to, th- to throw the ball. And But he's got to get on the same page. And and we have that question from uh, Chikorito uh, on Twitter. Do we see Mahomes and the receivers get on the same page this week against the Eagles? I, I don't know if it happens this week. You would hope that the bye was a nice, uh, you know, reset, self-scouting kind of a week. But uh, I think getting the receivers on the same page is critical for the second half. Yeah, and it, it, there's a chance because if you actually look at the Eagles' defensive statistics, they're 31st in terms of pass attempts against. So they get the pat the ball thrown on them a lot. They've allowed the most passing touchdowns in the NFL this year. They've uh, intercepted the ball. Um, the fourth fewest in the NFL uh, this year, uh, the fourth fewest times, and they've allowed the fifth most passing yards in the NFL this year. So, you know, hey, there's a chance that, you know, that secondary for Philadelphia, you know, isn't as, you know, uh, as talented as some that the Chiefs have faced this year. It's just about the pass rush that they need to get past. So if they, there's a chance that, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs pass game can get going this week. It'd be nice, and it'd be a great time for it because, as we talked about before, this is just such a huge game you know, for the Chiefs to really get ahead and, and to to stay ahead of the of pace in the AFC. Getting this win now, when everybody else just lost, would really be would yeah. really be uh, a huge for them. I'm going to go back to Jake Wilson's question. He had a second part to his first question, which said, "Should Chiefs fans anticipate improvements in complementary football and?" the ability to leverage a lead in the second half. Uh, what do you think? I think this is a, an interesting question because the Chiefs are obviously at their best when both the offense and defense are are playing complementary football. I think that's a, a you know Captain Obvious type point on, on my part. But the defense has been great. The offense has been good enough-ish, right, for the most part uh, in the first half. Uh, do you think there's a there's the ability for them to start really building leads, holding on to those leads, and and having the offense and the defense both 
uh, you're in that top five level in the NFL. Yeah, if you look statistically, they, they're not very good in the second half this year. And so, yeah, that's something they really do need to be better at, obviously, as they get down the stretch, as they get down to, you know, the important games, closing these big games out. They have the defense down. I think the defense is doing their part and doing it for the most part, um, even though, yeah, there's some second half touchdowns they've allowed. But a lot, you know, a lot of that, especially in the Dolphins game, is the Chiefs offense not giving them, you know, uh, time off the field or just not scoring, keep continuing to you know, go three and out and continuing to give the other team chances. You know, at some point they're going to score. The, the Chiefs defense can't be perfect. So really what's missing, right, to complete the complimentary football is running the dang ball, <laughs> running the football so they can win time of possession in the second half, so they can, you know, uh, finish games. We've seen them plenty of times this year punt away at the end of games and give the, the other team a chance to win when they can't finish out the game This against the Dolphins on third and short. They can't run the ball. They have to do a play-action fake. I've talked about how terrible of a play call that was, you know, turn, making Mahomes turn his entire back to the defense. Uh, and then making him have to make a decision quickly after turning around and not know, you know, having to not see where everyone went. So running the ball would be nice. So that's that's really, you know, the improvement need that needs to be it. And they have the talent, in my opinion, to do it um, on the interior offensive line, on the offensive tackle position. I think it's an effort thing. Those guys just need to lock in, uh, you know, when the run when the game plan is run oriented, run heavy. And yeah, I think. Th- it could be a way that they kind of improve and, and really, uh, you know, come full circle in the second half of the year. I love that. Again, I, I, I'll keep repeating it until it becomes a reality, building this second half offense around Isaiah Pacheco yes. uh, and Rasheed Rice uh, to complement Travis Kelsey. Uh, that's the type of offense uh, that could extend time of possession, put teams away and, and close games out. Uh, I, I like that approach. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Let's dive right into the Eagles preview uh, and, and talk a little bit about this upcoming matchup. It's Monday Night Football. You'll be there in person. In yes. Head. Uh, this is going to be a playoff atmosphere, Super Bowl rematch, Kelsey Bowl rematch. I mean, what else can you ask for from a, a game coming out of the bye where Andy Reid's teams are usually uh, pretty phenomenal? And the Eagles are coming out of a bye as well, so I I really feel like you're you're we're talking about a great game of football, and that we're going to see just two really solid, uh, good teams that have been together for enough time where you know they're going to be you know pulling out some really you know uh, game oriented plays or game you know trick not trick plays necessarily, but just you know best of the best kind of game plan. Their opening script is going to be you know very you know uh, uh, strong. Uh, you know it's it's. You're gonna have guys locked in. I mean, I you know I can't imagine how locked in guys like Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey are gonna be for Kelsey Bowl number two. I love it, uh, and and that's the thing. I'm actually gonna write for the site this week. I'm gonna watch that Super Bowl again um, from from a really close eye and mm. really kind of detail what has changed since the Super Bowl on the field and and what can maybe uh, you know what what maybe makes the difference one way or the other because of those things. And one obvious thing, Stags is they just all of a sudden have Jalen Carter, one of the best defensive players in the NFL already, in my opinion. One of the best defensive front players in the NFL, in my opinion, already. He's a rookie. He was the number 10 overall pick um, and just an absolute dog um, because he's from Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, But just someone that's going to give the Chiefs a lot of trouble with a front that's already really good. So, so yeah, I think the Eagles pass rush is probably the number one thing. The Eagles pass rush has been great. Um, They've got – you know, they, they've got a handful of guys who can get up to the passer, and most of them are from Georgia. 
you've got uh, also on offense, DeAndre Swift is new. And, yeah, and that, yes. That's, he's been really, really good this season, uh, over 600-yard rushing already, uh, along with 166 yards receiving. Uh, productive player, big play threat, something that gives them that, that extra compliment. They have a, a just a bunch of different running backs that they use, plus Jalen Hurts likes to run the ball. So will you see, you know, I think you, you've got more playmakers on offense, more playmakers on defense for the Eagles. The only question for me is what version of Jalen Hurts are we going to see in this game? The Super Bowl version of Jalen Hurts was phenomenal. He played one of the best games in the postseason that you will ever see from a quarterback. Uh, it, has he been on that level the rest of the year? You know, it's been hit and miss. He's had a good season, uh, but is he going to be is he going to be the playmaker that that really decides this game, uh, or will it be Swift and, and the defense or AJ Brown, who's been just ridiculous this season? Yeah, no, the Eagles' offense has been very good this year. AJ Brown has been AJ Brown looks like like To like he he's kind of what To was. I feel like uh, yeah. back in the day, just just big but also just can run by you if he needs to um like just fast enough um can't be tackled one-on-one just jumps up, c- catches everything over you the chiefs really need to make sure legerious need is on aj brown as much as possible because as much as trent mcduffie has, has succeeded this year he is going to be in a in a nightmare situation if he's guarding aj brown down the field i mean just no offense but it's just it's just going to be hard um but Snead yeah. has the size has the length to match up you know and and, Mc, and mcduffie and Devontae smith are a beautiful coverage matchup right mm-hmm. so yeah like you mentioned uh with smith so yeah it's yeah. it's it's gonna be a really fun game Devonte smith is you know on pace for a thousand yards as well i mean they're gonna have uh they've got plenty of receiving threats there along with dallas goddard who's who's been pretty good of late he, as well he is injured he broke his leg so oh that's they right are, they are they are without dallas goddard which is which is, you know, a, a big hit for them because, yeah, he is a, he's a, a mismatch. He was a mismatch in the Super Bowl, if you guys remember. He made some really great plays in the Super Bowl, um, even though Justin Reed had great coverage at times. And mm. so, yeah, that's a, that's a big difference, too, that we should shout out. Um, the, the Eagles don't have, you know, a, a, a high-quality backup tight end behind him. Uh, I believe it's Jack Stoll um, or somebody yeah. else. Okay. There, that's that's a difference. Uh, something that's the same, obviously, is going to be the, the, the touch push. The, uh, the the short yardage, uh, uh, they're still ninety two percent. Shout out to the podcast there, yes. uh, or or better on those quarterback sneaks. The Chiefs still refuse to do the quarterback sneak, even as many pointed out last week. There was uh, other teams are begging them to run the quarterback sneak, giving them giving them the first down, probably untouched yeah. on the quarterback sneak if they were willing to run it. Um, is this the week we finally see Mahomes run the sneak, uh, give them a taste of their own medicine? You know, I actually hope not because I, I really want them to save that for or <laughs> Mahomes at least to save that because the coaching staff somehow are going to screw this up and, and run it. You know, they're going to pull it out in a meaningless regular season game. Like, and then it's going to give it away for the playoffs. No, save it for like the most crucial third or fourth down we have in the AFC championship or the, even the divisional round, you know, if, if, if it comes to that point, but because yeah. you're right. And there's one play in the dolphins game where, I mean, they just, they play it like it's a first and 10, you know uh, like there's just no, like no crowding of the a, a gap. And, and so that's easy money if, if the chiefs will do it. 
Yeah, I don't see it happening. Obviously, um, what what else uh, could we see this week? You know that that maybe they they haven't used so far this season. Is there anything matchup specific that you can think of uh, that you'd like to see the Chiefs pull out this week against the Eagles? Well, that's you know the thing about the Super Bowl that the Chiefs did execute was playing in tight end, you know, multiple tight end sets, passing out of it, you know, trying to get the Eagles linebackers on the field and stretching them. Um, and, and really taking advantage of that. The Chiefs have not been able to do that this year because they just don't have the, the threat. We've talked about it uh, with Blake Bell as that third tight end. Um, and so that'll be something that, you know, to counter that, maybe the Chiefs, instead of kind of going heavy with the linebackers, maybe they kind of flip it on the head and, hey, let's go spread out. Let's let's get, you know, super light with it. You know, let's get a lot of receivers on the field at a time. Um, you know, let's only keep, you know, uh, Kelsey or Gray on the field at a time. Um, you know, and, and kind of just try to, you know, get it light and spread out the box so they can run on, on the Seagulls team and kind of, you know, try to try to take advantage of light boxes. Um, but that's the thing, you know, I, I think that is one thing the Eagles defense is kind of weak at is probably the linebacker position, um, you know, or, you know, or the safety position before they got Kevin Byard. Now he's freaking there, you know, Howie Roseman doing it again. Um, so, no, this the Seagulls back end can be taken advantage of. It's us all, all about handling that that the front part of the line of scrimmage. And so maybe, you know, maybe it is uh you know, maybe it is more of a run uh heavy kind of game, but I just feel like it might be better to do that because you're not gonna have much of a pass threat with your heavy sets anyway. So you might as well try to get them to to think about the pass by running out of lighter formations. Yeah. Yeah, has Blake Bell been that bad this year, or is it uh is it the the uniqueness of the threat from Jody Fordson that's missing. And I think you mentioned that in previous weeks, but uh, we'd like to see more production out of those other tight ends. I think Noah Gray is, was a candidate for most improved. I think he's been, he's been pretty, oh, he's good been good. Yeah. 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 But, but past him, it, it seems to really drop off right now. Yeah, no, I think Jody does deserve a, a lot of credit for just kind of, the kind of player he was, you know, he, he was definitely someone that, you know, if, if a team's going to treat him like a tight end, you know, he's he can run past you like a wide receiver. And so, you know, that 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 helped the Chiefs out a lot, even if it wasn't him getting the ball, you know, that it forced safeties and linebackers to kind of bail out. And all of a sudden the middle of the field's wide open because, you know, all these linebackers are freaking out because they're, they're getting stretched so hard. Blake Bell's not stretching the field. And so and he's not threatening to and, and, and teams aren't even don't even care to, you know, if he tries to threaten the or stretch the field, they're not concerned about it, you know, so. Um, I think that is a, a big deal in, in kind of the way the Chiefs to, played well against the Eagles last time. They don't really have that thing in their back pocket. I'd really like to see Andy Reid get the screen game going this week. Um, yes. Because this is an aggressive, you know, uh, pass rushing defense and, and good good up the field type players uh, on the defensive front. And, and you mentioned maybe their linebackers uh, aren't the, the biggest strength uh, of the Eagles team. Uh, get, get Pacheco out there. Uh, get get uh, even Sky Moore, you know, McCall Hardman, Kadarius Tony. You've got lots of guys that can catch a wide receiver screen uh, or, or a, uh, uh, you know, running back screen and, and make something happen. Get these offensive linemen out and moving in space and, and uh, uh, doing some different stuff. I think it might be a pretty fun game plan to see them try to neutralize that pass rush with a screen game and get the running game going through the air. Yeah, no, I like that idea too, for sure. Um, because not only are the, the, these are aggressive defensive linemen, but a few of them are young, right? And so, you know, younger guys can get, you know, over aggressive in the right moments. And, and, and Andy's really good at kind of setting them up to, to 
you know, really get upfield and all of a sudden they're getting turned around. So I, I like that idea. Screen game should definitely be a big part of the, the, the game plan. Any final thoughts? I don't know if we're going to put a prediction on, uh, on the record for this game, um, but I can't think of a, a better matchup. I think somebody asked, uh, is it, uh, uh, how important is this game in the grand scheme of things? I know we've already touched on that. I think it's a huge opportunity. If they, they lose, it's not as, as catastrophic, but if they win, this can really catapult them right back into uh, that the conversation uh, of repeating as Super Bowl champions. Yeah, no, I think a win here uh, just puts them in such a good position in terms of we talked about it earlier, but like they're going to have a better record than everybody in the AFC and especially the teams that they still have to play that are contending. They're going to have like two or three games better of a record if they win this game. Um, so it is very important. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're sitting pretty either way. I think, you know, if the Chiefs lose this game, there's no reason to, to say, oh, shoot, you know, now, you know, are they as good as last year and they can they win the Super Bowl? I think the Eagles are playing very well. I think this is just going to be a super good game. Obviously, it depends on how it goes, but I think if it comes down to the wire, which I think it will, you know, no matter who wins it, I think I think both these teams, in my opinion, are kind of in a top tier above the rest of the NFL, um, which is how just what they've proven as, as teams, obviously going to the Super Bowl already and just kind of, uh, you know, having the the talent that they do um you know ready to roll maybe the super bowl rematch this week will be a preview for the super bowl rematch later on this season or in february uh thank you for sticking with us on the out of structure podcast and listening as part of your day we really appreciate you all asking questions via twitter via the email inbox that ron checks occasionally Uh, We're happy to engage with you. We appreciate you all uh, listening and reading the site, arrowheadpride.com. Ron's got some great work up there along with the rest of the team, so make sure you check that out. Give us a rate and review and a question for next week as hopefully we're discussing a big Chiefs victory next Tuesday on the Out of Structure podcast. We'll talk to you then.